Thank you so much for joining us online today. We've been having an awesome time worshiping with you all. So come on, let's worship Jesus. Waking up knowing there's a reason All my dreams come alive Life is for living with you I made my decision Lift me up, fill my eyes with wonder Forever young in your love This freedom's untainted With you, no moment is wasted See the sun now bursting through the clouds Black and white, turn to color all around All is new in the Savior I am found This is living now This is living now Lead the way, God, you right beside me In your love I'm complete There's nothing like living life you created I choose see the sun now busting through the clouds black and white turn to color all around all is new in the Savior I am found this is living
Jesus. First of all, we realize in Romans 3, it tells us to have faith in the blood. And in Colossians 1, it says we have a redemption and we have an inheritance. And one of the key things of our inheritance is the blood of Jesus. And as we're living through this, whatever it is that we're living through, we can use the blood for protection and covering for ourselves our families, our children and grandchildren, where we work, where we travel, where we live, and everything else. So I want to read this one scripture to you, and maybe another one or two. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, him referring to the devil, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now the Greek says here that they overcame through the blood of the Lamb because the word of God that was in their testimony. So taking God's word and putting it in our mouth and speaking it causes the blood to prevail and overcome every force of the enemy. We also know that 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. And then in Hebrews eleven twenty eight it says, By faith Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. In, in Hebrews 9 it says he sprinkled both the book, meaning the words of God, the covenant, the covenant book, the old covenant then. And he sprinkled blood on all the people and all the utensils in the sanctuary. So everything was covered with blood when Moses got through because the blood is so significant in its covering ability to cover us and protect us and keep us sound from every force of the enemy. So we just need to realize some things here. Let's, let me go back here to Exodus chapter 12 with you for just a minute. We'll already just give a little insight into this about the blood of the Passover. And we're getting ready to celebrate what we call Easter, which is really a great holiday, but it's the Passover scripturally. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all the other Passovers they ever had. He's the body of the Lamb. He's the blood of the Lamb. He is the Lamb of God. And so we see from Exodus 12, this is very vital for us as a people of God to have faith in the blood and learn to plead the blood, or I'd like to say a different way, apply the blood to your life. If you don't know how to apply it, it wouldn't do you any good <laughs> just because it's there. You have to speak it. You have to say it. And your lips become the hyssop that they would sprinkle over the doorpost and the sides of the blood of the lamb that was consumed by each family in Egypt before they came out and when they came out it says there was not one feeble one among them and approximately three million Hebrews came out and there had to be ladies having babies as they traveled had to be Moses was 80 I think Joshua was a little bit younger but there was some elderly people middle-aged people teenagers preschoolers babies being born all the way up to great-grandpa and grandma so listen to this. This is so important for us to get as a New Testament church because what we're reading in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the reality that would come. We don't need any other lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God once and for all. 
His blood settled it all. But this is what it says. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. Now, that could mean your literal residence, which I plead the blood over where I live. I plead the blood over where I live in this house, this physical body. I plead the blood over you as a church. I'm going to pray that in a minute. Over our church here and all the facilities here and our children and grandchildren. That's all the further I am in now. I live a little longer. I'm going to have some great-grandchildren. But it says here, when I see the blood, this is God speaking to Moses, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. See, this is the meaning of what we're going to celebrate this Sunday. And he said, I'm going to pass over you, and the plague or the coronavirus or the whatever it would be called next week or next year, if there's another one, it probably will be. It says, the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. See, even at the, when this was taking place, they were living in Goshen, which was a part of Egypt, but it was never affected by any of the plagues that was sent. And really, they were only sent because of Pharaoh's rebellion and stubbornness and refusal to give in to God's people and let them go, which God tried to say, let my people go sweetly. And he just continued to resist until he hardened his own heart. But what I want to say to you is when he sees the blood and we put the blood on us by saying the blood, I'm applying the blood to my life. I'm applying the blood to this church. I'm applying the blood to every family in this church. And then it says, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. So there's no destruction if we cover ourselves properly in the blood of Jesus. And that's how we overcome, through the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to say a quick prayer and pray over this service, but I want to pray for all you that are listening or watching or whatever you're doing right now. Father, I thank you for the precious. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That blood is never ending. It's, it's still alive in heaven on the mercy seat. And you said in Hebrews 12, 24, the blood of Jesus speaketh better things than that of Abel. It speaks of your mercy. It speaks of your divine protection. It speaks of your divine covering. And though we can't see it with the naked eye, we know it's real because the blood is still alive. And we mix our faith in your blood, and we say we're covered by the blood of Jesus. I pray over every family represented at Church on the Rock. I pray over every human being that watches this broadcast. If they want it, I release my faith with them that they're covered by the blood of Jesus. Them and their mate, them and their children, them and their children's children, where they work, where they travel, where they go shop, and everything that pertains to them, we cover them in the blood of Jesus for divine protection and divine deliverance, and the plague will not come near us, and it will not destroy us because of the blood. So we thank you so much today for speaking to us about the blood. And now I introduce the pastor of the church, Pastor Jordan Jacobs, my son. Thank you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. It's going to be a great day in the house of God. I'm excited to preach this. It is Resurrection Sunday, so that means I need to be a little bit more perky than normal, which I am pretty passionate. So come on, I need to hear you at home. I need to see you commenting uh, online. Whatever you got to do, shout around your house. So 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 for the Resurrection Sunday message. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession, in the presence of many witnesses. But notice it says, fight the good fight 
of faith. So if we're taking notes, the title of my message is, I'm winning this fight. I'm winning this fight. Come on, say it at home. I'm winning this fight. Come on, say it with me. I'm winning this fight. So I'm thinking about today because today is Resurrection Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus got up from the grave. He rose again. And I was thinking about faith over fear because we're still talking about faith over fear on Sundays. And I wanted to see how does resurrection and faith tie in together? Well, it does in so many ways. But think about this because we're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith is so important for us as believers, but how does it pertain to the resurrection? Well, we see that our Savior was a fighter. Our Savior was a fighter. And by His Spirit, we are fighters too. We can fight the good fight of faith just like Jesus fought the good fight of faith. He ran His race. He finished His course. He accomplished everything that God had for Him because He was a fighter. And the Spirit of God that was in Him is in us. The Bible says... The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and makes alive our mortal bodies. The same spirit that gave Jesus the ability to rise from the dead dwells in us, so we're fighters. I want to tell you some things that Jesus was. This is how our Savior was a fighter and how he fought the good fight of faith. Jesus, first of all, he fought for the broken and the neglected and the abused and the tormented and the outcast and the lost. Jesus fought the religious system. He fought for people that were trying to keep other people away from God. He fought the devil and demons. He did that by healing the sick. He did that by casting out demons. He healed that by delivering the oppressed. And then these couple weeks that we've been celebrating, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, we know that Jesus was a fighter because he went to trial. He didn't have to, but he did it for us. He was beat. He was a fighter. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was crucified. And when he was crucified, it wasn't just the physical pain because he fought through the physical pain, but he also fought through the spiritual and emotional pain because on that cross, he took our sin, he took our sickness, he took our pain, our discouragement, our depression, our anxiety, anything that was against us, not just the physical symptoms of that, but Jesus fought through the spiritual symptoms of everything that we would face, sin, sickness, disease, pain, and anything that separated us from God. So our Savior is a fighter, and he fought the good fight of faith. But notice that's not it. Jesus went on to go to hell. When he died, he went to hell. And you say, why did Jesus go to hell? So you don't have to. That's exactly why he went. Because somebody had to go, and it wasn't you. Because Jesus went for us. And it says he was there for three days fighting for us, fighting the good fight of faith. And on the third day, which is Sunday, which is today, Jesus rose from the dead, and he was a fighter, and he was born again in hell. And the same spirit, Romans 8, 11, like we quoted earlier, the same spirit that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that raised you from the dead. And he has given you the spirit of God, which is a fighting spirit, the spirit that can fight the good fight of faith to accomplish the will of God. And he defeated hell, death, and the grave because he was a fighter. And he fought that fight for us so we wouldn't have to. And he fought that fight so to give us complete and total victory in this life and in the one to come. But the thing is, he's seated now in heaven, but the story's not over. His part is finished. He finished the work. 
He finished what he was called to do, which was to give us salvation, give us victory. But the mission is not done yet because he gave the mission, or the Bible says the commission, because it's not just one person, it's all of us together, the commission of God to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. The church is called to fulfill the mission of God. So that part is not finished. Jesus finished his part, which is our victory and our salvation. But we have a fight to fight now, and it is to accomplish the will and plan of God on the earth to see it come to pass. And that is our mission to go into all the world. So our life as the church, as believers, is to fight the good fight of faith to fulfill the plan of God for our lives, which everyone has their own unique, specific calling and plan. And God needs you to fulfill that calling. And it's going to take a fight, fighting the good fight of faith, to finish what he's called you to do, to run your race, to finish your course, to keep the faith. It's going to take you fighting the good fight of faith. So 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 says again, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The passion says, so fight with faith for the winner's prize. So this was written to Timothy, which was a son in the faith to the apostle Paul. And he says in this passage, Timothy, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith if you want to win the calling of God on your life. If you want to complete the plan of God for your life. Now, it has nothing to do with your salvation. Jesus did that. It has nothing to do with your victory. Jesus did that. But for you to fulfill the plan that God has for you, it's going to take you fighting the good fight of faith because there will be opposition between you and the purpose of God, between you and the plan of God, between you and the will of God. So he's telling Timothy, you're going to have to fight a good fight of faith. Now, if he said there's going to be a fight, we should not be uh, freaked out or concerned when there's a fight. A lot of believers are caught off guard when they realize our life is not puppies and rainbow sprinkles once we get saved. Our life can be a fight because we have a real enemy. And the Bible gives us a heads up. Yes, you have victory. Yes, you have salvation. Yes, God has done this for you. But you still have an enemy who wants to stop you from completing the plan of God. So there's going to be a fight. But it's not a natural fight. It's a fight of faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the title of my message, once again, I want you to say this. I'm winning this fight. I'm winning this fight. You know, the Christian life is not passive, it's active. A lot of Christians think just because Jesus saved them and healed them and delivered them and it's a finished work and they have victory, that they can just sit at home the rest of their life watching Netflix and praying that Jesus comes back soon. That's not the Christian life. No, it is finished, but you should be doing something with the life that he's given you. He's given you that new life on purpose to fulfill the plan he has for you, the purpose he has for you, not to sit around and wait for him to come back and get you. No, that's not the plan. God wants us to be active, not passive as believers. You know, the Christian life is not holding ground. It's taking ground. It's taking the enemy ground. Notice, the Christian life is not retreating, it's advancing. Because God's plan is that the church, which we are, would take over the entire world and change 
the world. That's his plan. Not being passive, not retreating, not going and running in the hills because we're scared because of the big bad world and Satan and everybody else. No, we're going to fight the good fight of faith. So we're going to advance the kingdom of God. We're going to accomplish the plan of God. We're going to take ground, not hold our ground. And the Christian life is active. It is a fight. Now, we're going to get into some stuff today, but you realize the Christian life in the New Testament is explained a lot of times two different ways. Both of them are very active, very passionate. Uh, they're, they're both things that you got to put a lot of effort and energy into. The two examples that are most mentioned in the New Testament about the Christian life is it's a fight and it's a race. Both of those things, you're not just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. You're not just going to church and coming home and living the same every day. No, it's a fight and it is a race. I love this. Smith Wigglesworth said this about fighting the good fight of faith. He says the fight of faith is not a fight of effort or struggle. It's a fight of trusting. It's a fight of trusting. He also said that great victories and great faith comes through great battles and great fights. So we're to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold of what God has called us to do. So let's turn to Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Now, once again, we're talking about today, I'm winning this fight. I'm winning this fight. So if... The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith, that means we have an enemy. We have an enemy. He's not dead, but he is defeated. But he will do anything he can to stop us from fulfilling the plan of God on the earth. And notice what Ephesians 6 and 10 says because it explains this fight we're in. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. If you weren't in a fight, why would you need armor? You wouldn't. Why would God say to put on armor unless it was going to be a fight? He's giving you a heads up saying, no, this Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And it's going to be a fight. And here is your enemy. It says, put on all God's armor so you will be able to know to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. That's your enemy. And notice what it goes on. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not your problem. There's a greater spiritual realm, the devil, demons, spiritual forces that are against us. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. So you have an enemy, and the Bible explains that you need to put on the full armor of God and fight him, and the real enemy is not people. It's not people. There is spiritual forces that are against you as believers, as God's children, the devil. And it says, and even other spiritual beings that are evil, 
in this world are against you, and you need to put on God's armor to fight up the good fight of faith in this world. And notice in verse 13, it says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy. That's not something that's passive, that's active. So in the time of evil, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. I want to say a couple things about the battle you're going to fight against the enemy, the fight, fighting the good fight of faith. First of all, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. And if we have the victory, then why are we being opposed? Well, you got to see that the devil will do anything he can, even though he knows you has, have the victory, to come and to try to still influence in your life. Now, here's a reason or a few reasons I wrote down why a lot of people, even though the victory belongs to them as believers in Jesus, don't walk in it. Number one is lack of knowledge. The Bible says my people are destroyed and gone into captivity for lack of knowledge. When you don't know you have victory, the enemy will keep you in defeat. When you don't know that salvation belongs to you, you will continue to be lost. When you don't know it's God's will to heal you, you're going to be sick because My people, the Bible says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. A lot of people are losing the good fight of faith. Why? Because they don't know. And what you don't know is hurting you. And the enemy knows that and takes advantage of people who don't know what belongs to them in Christ. A lot of believers, not just believers, a lot of people in the world don't know what God has done for them. So the enemy has an inroad to steal the victory that belongs to them for lack of knowledge. But here's the second part, and the part that I really want to emphasize the rest of this message. The second part is Christians that know that it belongs to them, but when they get opposed by the enemy, they put up no fight. Now, that is the problem with a lot of us that are listening to this message. A lot of people in the world, they know what belongs to them in God. They know what belongs to them in Christ. But when they face opposition, even though they shouldn't be shocked because the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith, they don't put up a fight. They lay down. They let the enemy knock them out, knock them down, beat them up. They don't push back. They don't push ahead when they face obstacles. And the reason the enemy has the reign he has in a lot of people's lives is because we don't put up a fight. But our Savior, our resurrected Savior, was a fighter. Our resurrected Savior was a fighter. And His Spirit that lives in us will put a fighting spirit on the inside of us to fight the enemy. And we fight the good fight of faith. You know, the church as a whole, not just this church, but the church as a whole, has gone soft. They've gone soft. They let the enemy push them around. They let the enemy put fear on them and depression on them and anxiety and put sickness on them. They let the enemy push them around. They let the world push them around. They let their own flesh push them around. They put up no fight. They have gone soft. You know, I was thinking about this because a lot of Christians, they have misinterpreted the Bible and they've gone soft. Let me explain this to you because before they got saved, they wouldn't put up with stuff. Before you got saved, you would fight back. But a lot of believers have taken the words of Jesus and other passages and taken them out of context, and they've gone soft. You've gotten wimpy. You've gotten punked out by the enemy because you're letting the devil push you around. Now, this is what a lot of Christians say. Well, you know, Jesus said 
You're supposed to walk in love with everybody, and you're supposed to be tolerant of everybody and turn the other cheek, and Jesus loves you. Yeah, he's talking about people, not the devil. He's talking about your enemy. So listen. Yes, you treat people with love and compassion and kindness, and you do turn the other uh, uh, cheek with people, but notice he's not talking about your enemy, the devil, the world, and the flesh. Actually, what he says about that is in the Bible, you need to resist him. You need to fight him. You need to push him back. You need to get back up. You need to resist the enemy and all he has, and don't get punked out by the devil. Because you got to resist him. Don't go soft on the enemy. Be soft-hearted and tender-hearted towards people, but not the devil. He's not your friend. He is the enemy. And if the church as a whole globally ever rose up and took their authority and stopped letting the devil push them around and punk them out, the church would have complete authority tomorrow. There would not be the issues in the world that we have today if the church stood up and stop letting the devil push them around. Actually, what Jesus said is the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. He's not talking about physical violence, of course. He's talking about with the enemy, you got to get rough with him because he's getting rough with you because when you stand up to him, the Bible says, resist him, and he has to flee. And we do that by fighting the good fight of faith. You're getting something this morning. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read in verse or chapter 9 and verse 25. 1 Corinthians 9 and 25. This is Apostle Paul speaking to this Corinthian church and he's explaining about what we've been talking about today. The Christian life is a race and it's a fight. It's active. And it's fighting the good fight of faith. And notice what he says about fulfilling the plan of God. 1 Corinthians 9.25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. And they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In the Passion, it says this, For that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get it under control, so after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. So we see here the Apostle Paul gives the example of a race and a fight. Now, the Olympic Games were going on at the time that Paul wrote this, and really, the, the main two games were boxing and running. And so he uses this example, even though this is in the natural, he's talking about in the spirit, you're running a race, and you need to finish it. You need to win the race that God's given you. It's not automatic that you're winning. And you need to fight this good fight of faith, and you don't need to just be swinging punches. You need to hit the enemy for good. And you need to fight back, and you do that by fighting the good fight of faith. But you need to know something about your enemy. Your enemy does not fight fair. You do, but he doesn't. The enemy doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair because his main thing that the enemy has is the power of deception. He can never come in the front door. He always comes in the back door. He never comes dressed up like the big bad devil. He always comes as an angel of light. 
He comes up dressed like everything you've ever wanted to be and everything you ever wanted in your life. The power he has is the power of deception. The enemy does not fight fair. The enemy's favorite punch is a sucker punch. You know what a sucker punch is? It's one that you don't see coming. A sucker punch is when you're not looking and someone punches you and knocks you out. That's what the enemy does. He takes advantage of us by deception and gives us a sucker punch. Now I want to tell a little story about a sucker punch because I'm aware of a sucker punch. That happened to me one time in my life. So uh, back in my high school days, I thought I was an and one mixed state basketball player. So I played a lot of basketball, and uh, I was at the gym this one day with a friend. and We were playing basketball, just me and him versus two other guys. And, of course, we all thought we were street ballers, which we weren't. And we're playing super intense. There's a lot of trash talking going on. There's a lot of physicality. People are pushing each other. It's me and this other guy and, and two other people. And we're playing them, and it's, it's getting really uh, chippy, as they say. It's getting really rough. There's a lot of trash talk. There's a, there's a lot of physicality. So the, the, the game kept escalating. And there was one of those days, you know, when you're playing a game like that, and it starts getting a little too physical, you start playing even extra defense, like super tight defense. Like you're not supposed to play that, that tight of defense when you're playing a street ball game. But to prove a point to the other guy I was guarding, I was playing extra close defense. So this game kept escalating and escalating and escalating and escalating. This is not a funny story. It will probably be funny for you listening to it, but it wasn't funny for me at the time. So the game was escalating. The trash talk was going on. And then next thing I know, I turned my head playing defense on this guy. And the next thing I remember is me waking up in the locker room with my friend splashing cold water on my face. With blood coming out of my mouth, I got sucker punched. Now, then I passed out again. And the next thing I remember, I was going in an ambulance to the ER. I got sucker punched in that gym that day because I was playing too tight a defense and trash talking a guy. And I didn't see the punch coming. And that's what the enemy does. He hits us when we're not paying attention. He hits us when we're not looking because that's the greatest power he has, the power of deception. But now that you're aware of that, you can be aware of his devices. You can be aware of his schemes. So you're ready You're not waiting to get sucker punched. No, you're ready for the enemy. You're ready for this race. You're ready for this fight. And you're ready to fight the good fight of faith and not let the enemy sucker punch you. So 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25 through 27 again, it says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. As believers, we should be disciplined, not just physically, but spiritually. Notice they do it to win a prize. And they do it to win a prize, notice, that will fade away. All these Olympic athletes today that work years, even decades of their life for a gold medal, that medal will rot. That medal will fade away. And actually, the next Olympics or the next championship, you will be forgotten, and there will be another hero and another superstar. But he says here, the Apostle Paul, we don't do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it to win an eternal prize or to finish God's call for our life. And notice he goes and says, I run in this race with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Now, shadow boxing is you're just punching and you're not hitting anybody. I'm not just shadow boxing. Notice I discipline my body like an athlete. 
training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So I want to give you a few more things before we close today. And I want to give you three ways that the enemy fights us or three areas the enemy fights us. And those three areas, this is how we fight back. The first one I want to talk about is your heart. The enemy fights you in your heart or your believing or your trusting. He wants to get your heart. He wants to get your trust. He doesn't want you to trust in him. He wants you to trust or he doesn't want you to trust in God. He wants you to trust in him or the world or other things. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. He wants your heart. He's after your heart. He's after your trust. You're believing. He wants you to believe him, his lies, his plans, his purposes, and he doesn't want you to believe God. So how do we fight back and fight the good faith with that? Well, we do it by choosing to fight the good fight by believing God, by trusting God, and by guarding our heart, like the Bible says, for out of it flows the issues of life. The second area he fights us is our mind. It's been well known that the battleground for the believer is the mind. He attacks us in our thoughts. Because as you think, so are you, it says in Proverbs. So if the enemy can get you to think defeat, which that's what he does when he puts deception in your mind, he puts lies in your mind, he wants you to believe it, he wants you to believe that you'll never get over this, that you'll always be sick, that you'll always be depressed, that your family situation will always be this way. He puts lies in your mind. The battleground is the mind. He doesn't want you to fight back. He puts those thoughts there because if you think defeat, you will be defeated. If you think sick, you will be sick. If you think broke, you will be broke. If you think poverty, you will be in poverty. You have to think like God thinks, not like the enemy, but the enemy fights you in your mind. So you have to fight the good fight of faith by what? By taking your thoughts in your mind and focusing it on God's truth, what God says about you. But what does he say about you? He says a lot in his word. He says that he's given you his peace. He's given you his joy, that you are healed, that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are special, that you are called, that you are faith-filled, that you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. He says that you are victorious, that you're an overcomer, that you're his child. God says a lot about you. So you got to make sure you're thinking about those things and not the lies of the enemy because he'll fight you in your mind. Are you getting some? So he fights you in your heart. He fights you in your mind. But lastly, he fights you in your mouth, your words. E.W. Kenyon said the fight of faith is actually a fight of words. You know, a lot of fights go down like that. Whoever can talk more usually wins. Whoever can trash talk a little bit better, a lot of times the other person will back down just based off what you say. And you know what? The enemy's like that. He is a big bully. And really, he takes advantage. Why? Because no one stands up to him. No one pushes him back. No one gets back up. No one talks back to him. So he's able to run over people's life and keep them down because no one ever says anything. But notice, 
The fight of faith is a fight of words. you got to watch the words coming out of your mouth because we fight the good fight of faith with our words. What are you saying over yourself? What are you saying over your family? What are you saying over your situation? You have to speak God's words or God's truth to overcome the lies of the enemy. In all three of these things, your heart, your mind, and your mouth, the enemy gets in those areas by deception. And if he can deceive you in those areas, he can take the victory that belongs to you, not because he's bigger and badder and stronger, it's because you have given it to him by deception. But notice when we guard our heart, when we guard our mind, when we guard our mouth and fight the good fight of faith, he has no place in our life and we get the victory. We accomplish the plan of God because we have fought the good fight of faith. And notice the fight of faith is in our heart, it's in our mind. And it's especially in our words. The fight of faith is a fight of words. You know, you got to speak to yourself. And that's why I titled this message, I'm winning this fight. Because you got to talk to yourself that way. you got to talk to situations in your life that way. you got to talk to the enemy that way. you got to talk to the world that way, to your flesh that way. you got to speak up because you have power and authority in your words. And the fight of faith is a fight of words. And I titled this message, I'm winning this fight because I have to say this to myself sometimes. And actually, you need to say that when you feel like you're losing the fight. You need to say, no, I'm winning this fight. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be in your body right now. you got to say, no, I'm winning this fight, but I don't feel like it. Say the word of God. Fight the good fight of faith with your words. Or I don't feel like I'm winning. I just feel like I'm depressed right now. I don't feel like I'm winning this fight. you got to say, I'm winning this fight. I'm winning this fight. I'm not going to lose this fight. I've had to say to myself, and you need to say to yourself, no matter what the situation is in your life, and it could be all different things today, I'm winning this fight, and I'm not going to get out of this situation with only the victory. That's the only thing that's going to come out of this. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be knocked down. I'm not going to be knocked out. I am not going to be losing this fight. I am going to win this fight. And you have to say it. You have to believe it. The more even you feel like you're not winning, you need to say, I'm winning this fight because the fight of faith is a fight of words. You guys getting something? You got you to talk to yourself. You got to speak to yourself. The enemy's talking to you, so might as well talk back. You got to say, I'm not losing this. I'm not going to lose this. I'm not going to lose this in my family. I'm not going to lose this with my health. I'm not going to lose this with my job. I'm not going to lose this in this other situation. I'm not going to lose my mind. No, I'm going to win this fight. Not because I'm all that, but the Spirit of God in me has given me the power and the ability and His victory to overcome everything if I only just fight the good fight of faith. So we got to fight the good fight of faith. Could I get the praise team to come back up with me for a second? If you got your Bibles, I want to read a few more verses to you. Proverbs 26. Actually, verse chapter 24, not 26. Proverbs 24 in verse 16. Proverbs 24 in verse 16. It says in the New King James Version, Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. In the message it says, no matter how many times you trip them up, 
God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet. The reason I want to share these verses with you is because some of us have been knocked down and knocked out by the enemy. It's true. All of us in here, myself included, we've all been knocked down multiple times. But we have a choice to get back up. We have the choice to not be punked out by the devil. Not to just lay down and take it. Because there's a lot of people just taking anything that the enemy wants. But notice your Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, know the righteous person, which that's you and me, you can fall seven times, but we're going to rise again because the greater one lives on the inside of us. Notice what it says. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon, they're up on their feet. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you've been knocked down by the devil, today's Resurrection Sunday. It's time for you to get back up. Come on, if Jesus got back up, you can get back up too. Why? Because the same spirit that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you and can make alive your mortal body. So if he got up, you can get back up too. And I want to say this morning that some of us have been knocked down by the enemy. You have been because he got in there. He sucker punched you. I've been there and you've been there too. But remember with all your heart right now, don't stay down. You have a choice. I was thinking about the the Rocky movies. I know a lot of us love the Rocky movies. They're, they're inspirational. But, you know, his coach, that old man in the Rocky movies, when, when Rocky got knocked down, and, you know, he's, he was a little gruff and a little rough around the edges, but he would say, get up, you bum. Get up, you bum. Get up. And his coach was in his ear saying, get back up. Get back up. And every time, Rocky would get back up. But how many know God is not telling you you're a bum today? He's an encouraging coach. He's your heavenly coach. And God and all of the angels and all of our uh, a family that has went on before us. It's just a cloud of witnesses. They're telling us right now, get back up. Come on, you can do this. Get back up. Rise back up. Don't stay down. Don't let the enemy do this. Why? Because you need to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for your life. And you're the only one that can choose that, to get back up. And your Bible says, for the righteous may fall seven times, but you will rise again. So I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, get back up if the enemy's knocked you down and fight the good fight of faith. God-loyal people don't stay down long. They're soon up on their feet. And one more verse, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7 and 8. It says, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking at the end of his life, and hopefully this will be true for us at the end of our lives. Notice what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. Notice it's only a good fight if you win and you can win and you can be victorious because it's a good fight but you got to keep it in faith and he says I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. That's God's plan for us that we run our race and we finish everything that God has for us and notice he says I have kept the faith because the only way to win is that you keep the faith. You fight the good fight of faith. And notice it says, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day not to me only but also to all who love his appearing. So let's fight the good fight of faith. Come on Amos let's worship. Like a flood Like a flood We receive your love when you come like a flood like a flood, we receive your 
But Father, we just thank you for the resurrection power living on the inside of us. We thank you, Father, that we are believers and not doubters. And Father, we're going to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to finish the race. We're going to keep the faith. We're going to finish everything that you have for us. And we thank you, Father, for it. We thank you for giving us your strength, your ability, your power. We're not going to let the devil or the, the enemy, the world, the flesh, any other powers come against us and keep us down. We're going to push back. We're going to get back up. We're not going to get punked out. We're going to stand up and we're going to fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because our Savior was a fighter. And that resurrection power, the same spirit that was in him, is in us now. And we're going to complete everything you have for us. Not just in this season, but the seasons to come, the years to come, the decades to come. We're going to do everything you called us to do. We're going to finish our race. We're going to fight the good fight of faith. Because it's a fight of victory. It's a fight where we win. And we're winning this fight. We're not going to lose to the enemy in any way. We're going to fight this good fight of faith. And we thank you for stirring people's faith today to choose faith over fear, to choose to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might, to stand up against the enemy and fight the good fight of faith. Because we know we have victory in you. We're on the victory side. And we win in you if we choose to live and to walk in our victory and walk in our faith. And we choose that today. In Jesus' name.